Yo, what's going on, everybody? Good morning and welcome to On the Contrary, awesome presented by Prize Picks. I'm Dave Lochran, back for another week. Week nine, already past the midway point of the season. Joined, as always, by Alex Baker, Osmo himself. You might know him as the number one ranked DFS player out there as well. What's going on, brother? What's up, guys? Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to the Sunday slate. Uh, it's hard to win when the backup QB comes in, like right in, at the start of the game, unless your name is the Siege DFS. So didn't didn't have much luck last night, but uh, this one looks pretty good. Yeah, I, dude. Now three three weeks in three weeks, you had the Geno Smith solo bank, and then the Josh Johnson. It's insane. We're joined by Pete Overzet, bringing him back for yet another year. Happy to have him with us. If you don't, you know Pete. I'm not even going to say if you don't know, but you know <laughs> Pete. But if you haven't checked his YouTube channel out yet, Pete Overzet on YouTube. And of course, PeteOverzet.com got a pretty sick merch tab over there. You can check out everything he's got in the merch store as well. Pete, what's going on, brother? I was just thinking about with the uh, the backup quarterbacks, I kind of wish the Saints were a showdown slate because then with Trevor Simeon getting announced quarterback, everyone would just be playing Taysom Hill, trying to chase this Geno Smith and uh, Josh Johnson, new backup quarterback meta. He probably would have been like 45% owned. Yeah, no question, because he can already be valuable even without being the starter. Yeah, it it was a bummer too. It was I, I was actually messaging this morning because I was I was working on the uh, fantasy life newsletter. I was like, fantasy Twitter has already crowned Taysom Hill as the starter for Sunday, and I was like, I couldn't find this <laughs> confirmed anywhere. And then Rappaport tweeted that about a half hour ago that they are going with Simeon there. Yeah, no question. Look, there's a it's a weird slate this week. I mean, you have the Aaron Rodgers news, which is you know insanely significant, uh, and then a lot more we're going to get into. Pete, let me ask you a question straight out of the gate. So. The Browns releasing OBJ finally gets what he wants. I swear it was his dad posting that Instagram video that did tip the scales there. What side of this you on? You on team OBJ? You on the Brown side? You indifferent? And where do you want to see this guy go? I mean, it, it's I think I'm kind of indifferent. Like, I don't even know where he could land where you know, you could be really excited about him, you know, finishing the season strong. I think I saw Levitate have a tweet that he hasn't had a hundred yard game since 2019. Uh, but you also could see it as, you know, he's such a front runner type guy where if he lands in Tampa Bay or whatever, and all of a sudden he's, you know, you know, doing his poor man's Antonio Brown impression there. So I don't know. I think I'm indifferent on it. I'm more on the side of him being cooked and it does seem like a tough needle to thread as far as finding the perfect landing spot, having available targets, having juice left in the tank and being able to acclimate to a new environment here uh, in, in a short amount of time. Alex, I saw a quote yesterday from an anonymous source. So you can always, yeah, you know, that's legit. Uh, that was apparently a former player or a teammate of his that had pointed something out. that was like, yeah, he's always open. But that's because when he's supposed to run a go or a, a post route, he's running a go route. So sure, he's uh -huh. wide open on the sidelines, but he's nowhere near where the quarterback's expecting him to be. I wonder if that's true. Yeah, I mean, whatever he's been doing, it hasn't been working very no. well. So uh, the one interesting thing with like Cleveland is they have the worst weather in the league. So. I probably made Odell Beckham's numbers look a little bit worse than his performance, but still it's hard to just look at those numbers and have any optimism that he'll be able to like join a new team and learn the playbook and, and perform at a high level. 
I'm pulling for him, man. I'm pulling for him. And uh, you know, the Raiders just had some stuff go on out there. If you heard about it, maybe he'll end up being a Raider. I don't know how all that works out for him. But look, OBJ is going to get picked up by somebody. It's not this is not like the Deshaun Jackson. He's going to get picked up. It's going to go somewhere. And you know what? Maybe they can revitalize his career. If you could produce that well under Eli Manning, there's got to be a quarterback out there that's capable of getting you the football. It just wasn't Baker Mayfield. Anyway, we're happy to have you guys with us. As always, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so for Pete, for Alex, for anybody as we dive into this. We just had somebody join us and then it said message retracted. I actually don't even know how that happens. I, I didn't catch your name, but welcome to the team, brother. And uh, subscribe if you haven't done so yet. Working our way up to 70K. Thanks to you guys hanging out with us every day. This is our attempt to combat the YouTube overlords and get around this algorithm so we can keep putting out some good free content each and every day. All right, let's jump into this. We got a ton to get to. Pete, let me kick it off with you. It, it's a simple question, but I think one this week that probably um, warrants an answer. When it comes to tournaments, how much really is ownership playing a factor for you? Like, say you got a Houston-Miami game, right, where you're going to see a lot of ownership going to a not great team or not great teams, but in a good matchup. Right? How much are you considering stuff like this going into this slate with 11 games? Yeah, uh, I, I feel like every single week I get more and more red-pilled as far as a contrarian GPP, bro. So I am uh, very you know, conscious of ownership and basically making all of my decisions based around it. I will say the past few weeks have been tough uh, because ownership has been really spread out. And you're often looking at a bunch of guys you know, with similar ceilings who are all coming in somewhere between 10 to 15%. And it's trying to guess where is the sentiment, where is the steam um, going to go? And then you get really weird disparities where it's like last week, Michael Pittman and T Higgins, similar price, similar ceiling, similar projected ownership. And then Michael Pittman comes in at 30% and T Higgins is at 13%. So really trying to guess right on those situations has been tough of late, but I have a feeling this is going to be a much, much better slate. We have so much late breaking news. We have stuff potentially with Christian McCaffrey, with George Kittle. I just saw earlier Devontae Parker is now doubtful. It just feels like a slate where things could really shake up and ownership might not settle in, in a way uh, that is, you know, less conducive to uh, us GPP, bro. So I'm, I'm excited about this slate. Yeah, no doubt. And Alex, it does, to, to Pete's point, it does feel like every time you and I have done this show over the past couple of weeks, we've said ownership's really flat. Like there's no real huge gap from one player to the next. You might get one player that's, that's chalky. But outside of that, you have a bunch of guys spread from like 10 to 20 percent at like 30 or 40 players. So maybe this week is a little bit different, especially with some of this news rolling in. Definitely, yeah, yeah, that's that's my hope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go I ahead, think, Alex. Uh, like we haven't had any of those like stone cold locks in a while. The like uh, Alexander, for instance. So uh, that's been fun, but it is a little bit tougher to to not have that security in, in one play. We thought we, we might have it with DeAndre Swift uh, last week with Jamal Williams out, but then that kind of bombed. So uh, at this point, uh, it's hard to really think anyone is is going to be uh, super high-owned. Is this a spot where you're taking ownership heavily into consideration, Alex? Like, I know we're going to talk Houston and Miami. There's one game I just keep coming back to because Pete mentions Devontae Parker, too. Like, if, if the Parker does, in fact, sit, then you know guys like Waddle and, and Gasecki are going to have a ton of ownership. And sure, they have the highest implied total of the slate for that they've, or I'm sorry, not of the slate, of the season for Miami. 
um, for them specifically, of course. You know that Miami's going to get a ton coming into this one, but they're not a great team. So you're just hoping that Houston's defense and Houston as, as a whole is much worse than the Dolphins. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Miami, They uh, the one thing I like about Miami is they just pass at a very high rate. So it's pretty predictable to know where uh, the production is going to come from. Having Devontae Parker doubtful, that just consolidates more uh, work among other players. So that, that even can work to your benefit. But Miami on the year has a 36% rush rate at neutral game scripts, which is fourth lowest in the league, which is surprising because uh, they haven't been good at passing the ball, but they, they do it a lot. And a matchup with Houston, that definitely can make any team look really good. So I'm, I'm kind of on the two a hype train this week. Okay. Hey, look, I have no problem with that at all. We'll talk about that game. Uh, Pete, I want to jump on to something that you mentioned at the top of the show with Trevor Simeon. Uh, yeah, he's expected to start, and you're right. Essentially, everybody assumed that as long as Taysom Hill uh, is healthy enough to play, he's going to start. This does seem to benefit Alvin Kamara, though, at least you know outside of the like inside the 10-yard line where Taysom Hill is going to get probably some work, and, and it's going to be unfortunate when he vultures Kamara again, but what does this do for your perception of Alvin Kamara this week, knowing that it's Simeon, a pocket quarterback, and not someone like Taysom Hill getting the start? Yeah, you guys told me to uh, prepare a, a pivot, uh, or sorry, a fade at the end of the show, and I had already penciled in Alvin Kamara, and then I got the uh, the news here that Trevor Simeon was going to be in, and now I'm kind of rethinking it uh, a little bit. Because with, with Taysom, then you're getting squeezed by both him and Mark Ingram at the goal line, which at his price uh, doesn't seem uh, attractive to me. But yeah, I think this is good for him. Uh, overall, I think Simeon, obviously with the checkdowns, that should be more prevalent. And that's how he's been kind of feasting lately, just with these massive target games. So I think the other interesting thing will be, you know, right now it looks like he's going to get a decent amount of ownership. And if Christian McCaffrey doesn't play, you know, he's kind of the cream of the crop up there on the high end with Austin Eckler. So the fact that he's not going to be very sneaky um, is not as attractive to me. So it's honestly a situation I'm still trying to think through. Alex, what about you with Alvin Kamara this week, knowing that the quarterback situation is a little bit more set in stone than it was when we talked earlier? Yeah, I mean, Kamara, uh, I think he looks really bad with Taysom Hill, but with Simeon, that could be pretty good. Simeon isn't nearly as mobile quarterback. And, uh, I mean, New Orleans is a rush first team, but uh, we saw just the other week Kamara can really pile up the PPR points. Matchup versus Atlanta is a positive. So this definitely looks like a great spot for Kamara. All right. So we got a lot of different games to touch on. I, I, let's just jump straight in. No, you know what? We talked OBJ. Pete, how much do you think this impacts Cleveland this week? I, granted, I know Oda Beckham was, was scarcely involved to begin with, but is there potential shootout vibes in this game where people might just be off of it entirely? Of course, you have a, a running back situation where no Kareem Hunt, but you have Nick Chubb coming back from injury last week. Dearness Johnson vultured a touchdown from him. And then on the Cincinnati side, it's Chase. It's You mentioned uh, T. Higgins last week getting far less ownership than Pittman, Tyler Boyd. And then Joe Mixon, everyone worrying that someone like Samaji Piran was going to come in and just start taking 50% of the work away. That ended up being total nonsense. So is this actually a game that we could look towards this week, maybe in tournaments, especially given that you said now, you know, for tournaments, you've been red-pilled in the ownership, uh, in the ownership <laughs> department. 
Yeah. And I mean, this total actually isn't as bad as I thought at, uh, at 47. And we've just seen the Bengals trend so pass heavy uh, that this is, you know, speeding up their games a decent bit. So yeah, I am interested in this. I think Landry is going to be very popular and he's going to project well at 5,100 on DraftKings. And then Higgins, of course, is going to be mega chalk. And I'm still seeing Jamar Chase sub 10% right now. Like no one wants to play Jamar Chase for some reason, even though he has been awesome this year. So yeah, I think this is a game uh, I want to target like I was running some optimals with double stacks, just seeing what kind of tournament lineups show up. And you'll see a Joe, Bo- Joe Burrow, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, Nick Chubb as kind of one of those optimal, you know, double stack lineups. So I think there's some interesting stuff you can do here as far as pivots as well. You know, getting a Tyler Boyd in there instead of T Higgins, I think could be something that could help leverage. We've even seen Uzoma. If you want to get really gross, break some stuff off. So, yeah, I think this has uh, some GPP appeal. For sure. And Alex, one thing I've mentioned to, or noticed as well, like if you're talking, you know, Jamar Chase ownership being in the low double digits for a guy that's just been electric every week. Also, guys like Mike Williams that are in that similar price range and Justin Jefferson against Baltimore in a game that has, believe it or not, one of the highest totals on the week. Some of these low to mid 7K receivers are getting totally squeezed out because of guys like Tyree Kill and, and Stefan Diggs. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that wide receiver, there's always a lot of good options. So that makes the ownership not accumulate a ton on any particular guy. Cleveland's uh, a, a little bit of a better than average defense, but Cincinnati being so pass heavy, as Pete was saying, that, that really gives the confidence to stack this one up. I think it could be pretty popular this week, especially because uh, I think Landry is going to be one of the top options um on the other side uh because he's so cheap and Odell Beckham being ruled out so uh, I think this one uh it's a nice game stack yeah I think so too and honestly I this is also a, a Cleveland team that just defensively outside of last week I, I understandably against a, a Steelers offense that I'm not sure any of us think is particularly good right now they've had a couple games where if you're facing a good team they're getting blown up. I mean, they coughed up 37 to Arizona the week after they allowed 47 to the Chargers. So good teams are able to score on them. I, I, I think, too, Pete, when you're looking at the other side of this one, it's do can you go to the run game? Can you look to, to a Nick Chubb this week and hope that he gets back on track at a sub-7K price point? Yeah, I think so. He's still seeing, you know, enough of the workload, even though Dearness Johnson was kind of playing the Kareem Hunt role last week, you know, but that's always been kind of the situation for Nick Chubb. You know, they're never involving him a ton in the past game, but, you know, he's kind of like the mini Derrick Henry in that you are playing him in hopes of those big plays where he rips off the big touchdown run, gets into the end zone twice. So I think the thing that's tricky for me is I always like playing that type of play when it's sub you know, 10%. And I'm seeing him now inching up into the, you know, 13, 15% range. So I'm curious how the field will want to kind of approach him. But if he's sub 10%, I think he's a great play. All right. So Pete, you've got Houston and Miami. Obviously people are going to be all over this Miami team for, for, I think good reason. Don't get me wrong, but with Terod Taylor starting, 
I think we give the man credit where credit's due. He actually played really well to start the season before he got hurt. They, they, they trashed Jacksonville and they actually had a lead over the bills before he went down in week two. What does that do for anybody else in this team? Namely Brandon cooks, because everybody else has like a 5% target share this season. Yeah. I mean, they've been just the, a brutal team. I feel like they've been fully responsible for the, you know, do we even need to do bringbacks in tournament conversation? Yeah, yeah just <laughs> onslaughts against them. Yeah. Cause they just, other than Brandon cooks, they have no one worth bringing back. And then, you know, Brandon cooks gets priced up at 6,100. You know, he doesn't look like the best value and he is just the chalky de facto bring back. So yeah, it's tough with them, but it's also interesting because Terod Taylor looks like the best value quarterback on the slate like he even looks like a slightly better value to me than Jordan Love where there's so much kind of uncertainty about Love in this first career start so yeah I'm trying to figure out how to play that um you know maybe you do the thing where you just do like a naked to Rod Taylor or whatever to fit in some of your other game stacks I don't know maybe that's too galaxy brain but this is a tough game too because once we remove Parker, really going to condense on Gesicki and Waddle and Gaskin is going to be really popular too. So I don't know, Alex, if you have any other ideas of how to creatively attack this game, because I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I think uh, this one is pretty interesting because Cooks is uh, super chalky and he's like the only guy on Houston that, that anyone wants to play. So uh, that... That's one where you definitely, if you're stacking in Miami, you definitely want Houston to put up some points. So Cooks does make sense. And I guess he can make up the ownership elsewhere. The other guys we can look at on Houston would be Danny Amendola. He was a healthy scratch for a few weeks, but the, the last two weeks he's been increasing in playing time. So last week he ran routes at 71% of plays. And then uh, he gets targeted about 21% of the time. So that volume is pretty good. Nico Collins is kind of a, a rookie that that's been okay, but that'd be kind of a deep flyer. So uh, if I was playing Tyrod, I probably would sack him up with Cooks, to be honest, and Amendola possibly. The other option would be Jordan Akins, where last week Farrell Brown was out. So um, if that I can't remember if he's out this week again, but if he is, then that could be an appealing spot. And man, the backfield is just shit. Yeah, like there's absolutely nothing here. They they get rid of Ingram, and people are thinking, oh, well, maybe it's Philip Lindsay's time to shine. Nah, Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead was with what eight eight to, uh, seven touches in that game, pretty much. Yeah, out touched every other every, every other running back. So it's gross there. Terod Taylor had 65 rushing yards and a touchdown on five carries through his first two games, though. So maybe it's not the craziest idea to, to run him out there. I don't hate a skinny stack, though, Pete, because you could run him naked or you could just say maybe Cooks has a 30 percent target share and Terod Taylor does a lot with his feet as well. Yeah, and I, I'm glad uh, Alex mentioned Jordan Akins because he played pretty well last week, and then he even lost that touchdown to Brevin Jordan. And I, I'm sure we'll talk about this with the tight ends more, but we're going to have uh, Akui Boonham as mega chalk at tight end at 2,600. So a little pivot to Akins there at 2,700 when their expectation probably isn't you know as meaningfully different as their ownership will suggest could be interesting. Is Fan even confirmed out yet, though? Uh, I, I mean, now you're making me worried that, uh, he's not, I assumed he, he was going to be out just based on the back-to-back -back tests he needed to get, but, uh, I guess I haven't heard that confirmed. 
Yeah, no, I mean, you might be right. I just saw yesterday that because he's vaccinated, he still had a shot to play. Um, don't they have to test negative like 24 hours before? Or is it 10 days if they have two uh, positive tests? I thought that. No, that was that was if you're unvaxxed. So if you're vaxxed, I think you just need to return. I don't know. This stuff is all well, just think, too much, I, man. I mean, the hope would be it's a false positive and then he'd be able to play. But if you actually got COVID, like it's pretty hard to see him playing that's the tricky part i saw saquon did have a false positive yeah. so he could possibly play but he's trending to not play so he needs to submit two negative tests at least 24 hours apart and display no symptoms before he's eligible so yeah i mean i, I guess he's probably not going to play but yeah albert O is is albert O chalk sensible in tournaments this week alex if fan is in fact out yeah, I think it makes sense. I mean, tight end is usually a pretty uh, difficult spot to fill. So uh, when you got a guy that is only 2600 on DraftKings and 4500 on FanDuel, like a lot of times just like saving that salary for other positions makes a lot of sense. We have him at a the highest boom percentage on our boom bus tool at 21% and a 10% chance of being in the optimal lineup this week. So that's pretty good. I think the ownership, hard to tell right now because uh, uh, of the uncertainty with fans, but that would probably be the chalk tight end. All right. So with Miami then, Pete, we, we talk about Tarad Taylor and Cooks and all of these guys, but when it comes to the Dolphins, I, I think like you said, like all of us said, they're, they're going to be chalky here. Now, of course, it does depend on what we get with, with, with Devontae Parker, but I'm honestly not sure still how much that matters. I am surprised a little bit, though, that our ownership projections, and this is kind of a welcome sight, they don't have any of these guys getting monster ownership. Granted, Parker's still in there, but none of them are getting an insane amount. Like, what do you do with a Miles Gaskin this week who's been one of the most frustrating players throughout the year? Yeah, it's, I mean, he looks like a good play to me just as far as how he's projecting at 5,800. And there are some, there's not a ton of, of great values down there. So I could see, you know, the, the people who want to go kind of studs and duds and get in one of Kamara, Zeke, or Eckler, you know, then going down to Gaskin as their RB2. I think he will be the preferred cheap running back play. So yeah, I'm just worried that all of these guys, uh, Miami skill position players are going to come in over, you know, 15 plus percentage points of ownership because, you know, once you remove Parker's 12 plus, you know, targets that he had last week and, and redo these target shares, Waddle and Gasicki are going to both project really well as is Gaskin. So that's why I'm, I'm struggling with how to attack these guys creatively. Could this be a game you maybe get underweight on? Yeah, I think so. Like if all those ownerships hold, I'm, I'm probably um, maybe going to get away from it. Maybe, maybe the galaxy brain play is just to play like a one-off dolphins defense and, and hope they, they do most of the damage against the Texans there. But yeah, this, this game seems tough. Yeah. And it's even harder for that with Taylor back too, right? Like if it was Davis mills. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. Like how are, how are you attacking Miami then Alex? Well, Devonte Parker being out is a big hit for Miami stacks because you know, two weeks ago when he was out, uh, the only players eclipsing 50% of routes were Waddle and Jasicki. So that really makes it hard to, to stack the team up with only two guys getting a full workload. So 
Uh, I do think Gaskin also you could sack with with a Miami stack because he does get more than half his production through the passing game. So I, I think the spot is really good, but from a game theory perspective, there aren't too many ways to tackle this one. So I'm kind of torn because I really like that Miami passes the ball a lot compared to other teams and they have a great matchup. So I'm still buying in, I think. Yeah, Pete, I'm looking at a Buffalo team that last week I really thought against Miami, a Miami team that was getting trashed through the air could, could come through in a huge way, but Emmanuel Sanders gets blanked, like completely blanked on the day. Uh, and it, it was Gabe Davis getting all of the red zone targets. I mean, I mean, through and through, it was not very fun. But now you've got them going up against Jacksonville for like the eighth straight week. They're, they're double-digit favorites. Dawson Knox is out. We're talking about Albert. Oh, we can get into this whole team. But what about Tommy Sweeney, who has the best name in, in football? I, it sounds like he just came off the set of Boondock Saints, and I love him for that. And I feel like I want to play him this week, given that Dawson Knox is sitting. Yeah, it was. He ran pretty much the same amount of uh, routes that Dawson Knox was running, but he wasn't getting targeted at a at a high frequency. But I, I think you can always justify tossing in a scrub to your to your Josh Allen stacks just because of how willing he is to you know spread things around. Uh, Cole Beasley didn't practice yesterday, so that's something I'm keeping an eye on as well. Um, I kind of hope he plays just because I assume people will want to chase the box score a little bit more there. And then maybe Emmanuel Sanders flies under the radar after burning people last week. And then I also think, uh, I think Zach Moss looks pretty good to me again. You know, if Gaskin's catching all that ownership down there, Zach Moss actually gives us a pretty good leverage play. If people are getting excited about the Josh Allen double stacks again. Alex, where do you go with Buffalo this week coming off a, a strange game? They still won handily, but now they're what 14 and a half point favorites against Jacksonville who may be without James Robinson. Yeah, I mean, uh, Buffalo is always a team to, to stack up uh, because they throw the ball at one of the highest rates in the league, uh, even more than Miami. So I think Sweeney is pretty interesting uh, based on what Pete was saying with uh, him running routes at the same rate as Knox. On the season, he's been targeted 13% uh, of the time he's been out there compared to 14% for Knox. So like, it's almost a one-for-one swap there. So it's been good when he's been targeted as well. So I think Sweeney makes a lot of sense. And then we all know Diggs, Sanders, and Beasley all are great options every week. So this is one where I definitely think you should bring it back because what we've been seeing a lot in these uh, high-spread games is if it gets too out of control, then they pull the starters in the fourth quarter or, or towards the end of the fourth quarter. So that always stinks when you pay up for your stack and then you you're like looking like you're going to win and then the production just dries up. So I definitely would want to bring him back. Uh, there's some decent options on Jacksonville, but yeah, it's not the, the stack you feel the greatest about. Yeah. I, I guess Pete, to that point, if you are running it back with a Jacksonville player, and James Robinson doesn't play. And I don't know if you want to run it back with a running back anyway. Hopefully he would get some passing down work. LaVisca Chenault's been a pain in our ass. Tell DJ, me about it. Yeah, it's been brutal. And then you've got guys like DJ Shark on the IR. So, I mean, you're looking at Jamal Agnew and Marvin Jones. Yeah, although I will toss in. I, I know it seems. Danny counter- Arnold. 
I was I was honestly going to say Carlos Hyde if James Robinson oh, okay. doesn't play, um, just because Carlos Hyde saw a ton of targets uh, last week in relief there, and then you know he would come in at forty nine hundred, and I think just a lot of people don't like playing the running back going against, you know, a Josh Allen double stack, just assuming they're going to get scripted out, but man, urban Meyer loves him some Carlos Hyde. And if they're, you know, giving him seven to eight targets, I think that'll project. Well, um, I do think the preferred bring back in the passing game would be Jamal Agnew. He's basically just now taken over what we wanted the LaVisca Chenault role to be. I mean, Marvin Jones, doesn't I mean he, he's not going to be popular at all but at 5700 he's just projecting really poorly as, as a value play and what you're getting for him in your lineup so I do think Agnew at 4300 would be the kind of conventional bring back and then you mentioned Arnold who who is seeing a ton of targets uh, I was thinking he was going to be fairly popular this week but if he's under 10 percent uh, I think that's interesting. I was running optimals and you were actually seeing a decent amount of double tight end lineups in the optimals. So that always is kind of interesting. And I think Arnold uh, could make sense in that regard as well. Where are you going with the Arizona Cardinals? If just to, to move around here a little bit, make sure we can get everything in. If Kyler Murray doesn't play, what does that do for this game in general? Because we obviously know how much it, it hurts Arizona, but does it help a guy like Rondell Moore, who literally has the lowest A dot in the entire league in his position? Um, can you look more to a Chase Edmonds? And what does that do for the other side with an Eli Mitchell maybe in the run game not being very likely not playing from behind? Yeah, I mean, I I'd be worried about. I mean, I see the total right now at forty five and a half, and I assume that would crater even more without cut without Kyler. Uh, we also have. Uh, no AJ Green. We have DeAndre Hopkins banged up. Uh, I think I would be start to lose interest in this game, knowing both of these teams would be pretty willing to go run heavy there. So yeah, I don't know. Like Christian Kirk uh, looked to me like a pretty good GPP play uh, this week if if Kyler's playing. But I honestly haven't really thought through this game much. If Kyler Murray's out, it, it, it then would seem like a pretty gross spot to me. Yeah, it, it definitely looks gross. And Alex, he. He was seen in a walking boot and he hasn't practiced at all. So I know Kingsbury and company are, are holding out hope that he's active, but it, the, I don't know. The outlook appears bleak right now for Kyler Murray getting on the field on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, if Kyler Murray doesn't play that, that changes everything about this game for sure. Uh, but if he does play, I, I think the Arizona receivers, uh, Rondé Moore should get a bump in, in playing time uh, with AJ Green out. Actually, I'm not sure if it'd be him or Antoine Wesley, but uh, Rondale Moore definitely someone you could look at. Uh, I kind of would be tempted to stack this one up because it seems like no one is on Arizona because they have this 21 point total. But uh, I mean, both teams have some some good fantasy players, so I wouldn't mind uh, getting a little contrarian with this one. What if Kittle plays on the other end of this one? I mean, it's been not a great season, but his price is his price is pretty much as low as you're going to get him all year long, I would assume. I think Kittle would be pretty pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, Jimmy G is a guy that um, we don't worry about them running the ball a ton, uh, like a ridiculous amount like Trey Lance. So, like, at the start of the year, I wasn't that excited about Kittle because I was like, with Lance, they're going to run even more, but – Get, getting Jimmy G. 
it's hard to know exactly what the workload would, would be for Kittle because he hasn't played in a month. So that's the one one thing that I'm a little bit worried about. So my favorite play uh, would definitely be Debo. He's been like unreal this season. So uh, that's the guy that can break a slate uh, pretty easy. Yeah, highest yards per route run of, of anyone in the league. I, I will say, Pete, one guy that appeals to me a lot if Murray sits is going to be Eli Mitchell. I know he hasn't been frequently involved in the passing game, but the Cardinals run defense has been awful this year. The only reason they aren't coughing up by close to league high yardage or attempts per game is because teams are so often playing from behind and forced to to throw the football. If Murray's out, you might see 20 plus carries from Eli Mitchell in a spot like this. Yeah, I think he'd be an awesome tournament play i mean he is like you said losing all the pass catching work to hasty but he does have going for him that the team wants to run the ball and they don't trust trey sermon whatsoever uh still don't understand why they drafted him uh where they did not to use him at all but yeah eli mitchell looks good and i do think while it's probably not a game you kind of want to stack up like doing some of those minis like an eli mitchell with a rondell moore christian kirk that kind of stuff i think would would look pretty nice in that scenario so like secondary stacks without quarterbacks? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Because it, it's just so hard to envision that game, you know, shooting out, you know. And I don't mind those the the one-off play like Alex said about Debo, who's who's been awesome. And he's kind of in that Jamar Chase range where they've been awesome, but they're just always priced up right underneath or close to the other top options. This week, it's Tyreek Hill and Diggs. People continue to gravitate to those guys because they just project slightly more, but then their ownership comes in at half the clip of those guys. So yeah, I, I like Debo a lot again this week. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us on a Friday morning. And uh, again, Pete Overzet. If In case I forget at the end, PeteOverzet.com. Check out his YouTube channel as well. Pete Overzet right here after the show. Go and subscribe to his channel uh, and follow him on the Twitters as well if you haven't done that yet. Uh, that is at Pete Overzet. So pretty simple stuff here. It's the same thing across the board. Alex, I I'm looking at one spot, right, where I am so unconvinced that this game should have the total it does. And maybe I'm just jaded and I'm miserable. But the Eagles-Chargers is a 50-point total, Okay. But the Eagles are only two and a half point dogs. Oh, it's one and a half now. Okay, see that? What am I missing here that the Eagles are one and a half point home dogs to a far superior team? And outside of facing bad teams like the Lions, where they run it 47 times, they haven't been able to get involved in a back and forth affair with anyone all season. So tell me where I'm going wrong here. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles have definitely been a frustrating team this season. I think when you look at the overall numbers, though, they're they're pretty decent. They've averaged five yards per rushing attempt. That is elite, and that's not something we wouldn't expect with a, a quarterback who is as good as at running as Jalen Hurts, and he's averaged 7.1 yards per pass. That's not great, but it is competent. So I think um, this is a team where even though it's been a little bit frustrating – throughout the year, like maybe we can find some some plays here. The trouble is Hertz gets a lot of the production himself, so uh, that makes the stack a little bit harder to get to, but Goddard uh, without Ertz, that does always a spot I like to target. Me too. I, I will say, though, Pete, like there are a lot of teams out there where you have a 50-point total that you're willing to pair multiple pass catchers with a quarterback. I, 
Is there any way you're looking to to get more than just like a Goddard or or more than just one player with Jalen Hurts this week? Yeah, I definitely am feeling burned enough by the Jalen Hurts double stacks to not love that, but just intrigued enough to go back to the skinny stacks here. I mean, Devonta Smith is looking pretty nice to me just because I don't think anyone is going to want to play him. And I mean, Jalen Hurts obviously ran so poor as far as his touchdown expectation last game. You know, Rager had that one called back, you know, having two go to Howard, two to go to Scott. I don't think that's something we can expect to continue. And and Hurts at this price at 6,700, he just always projects so well with how big his rushing floor is. So I'm, I am interested in this. And I th- also think the bringbacks are really interesting interesting because Eckler is going to be fairly popular and yet we're going to have Mike Williams come in, you know, sub 10%, I would expect here again. And I think Keenan Allen will be, you know, not that popular either at 6,700. So I think this sets up really well for, you know, Devonta Smith, uh, type plays, bring it back with one of those pass catchers, because right now I'm seeing Goddard at, you know, 15% ownership roughly. And then, I guess that could change if Gesicki becomes a more popular play. If Kittle is on the slate, maybe that comes down and he's more attractive. But right now at that range, I do think I'm probably going to fade him. I mean, Pete, we have Mike Williams at 5% right now. That's kind of what I was alluding to earlier with some of these 7K guys that are just getting overlooked. feels like it's the show's called On the Contrary for a reason. It seems like a pretty sexy contrarian play in a game with a 50-point total this week. Yeah, and the interesting thing was – uh, Mike Williams, a dot has been increasing lately. Like we saw this trend at the beginning of the season where they were using him kind of all over the field. And that was when we were all having the conversation. Is he the new, you know, alpha one a there? Uh, but now they've kind of pushed him back toward his deep threat role, which doesn't change his ceiling. It just lowers his floor a little bit. So I still think he has that monstrous ceiling and, you know, we're trying to, you know, find these plays up here that have the ceiling and are going to come in, you know, sub 10%. I have one other guy that I think is kind of really in that conversation with him that we'll probably touch on in a sec. But to me, he looks like one of the best kind of tournament wide receiver plays. Yeah, no question. Were you referring to Justin Jefferson? I was. You you, you, you read, <laughs> read my mind. I Well, I'm with it. The ownership on him right now is super low. So, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get to that game. I love that game this week, especially with some of that ownership. We still got about 20 minutes here, Alex, but I want to get your thoughts on the Chargers side because you have Eckler, you have Williams, you have Keenan Allen, you have Jared Cook. There's a lot of mouths to feed, but also a ton of players on this slate or on this team, I should say, with with really high ceilings. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers look pretty appealing this week. Uh, 4% ownership projection on Herbert compared to a 6% top stack percentage. So you can definitely stack this one up, but one offs look pretty good too. Uh, Allen and Mike Williams, obviously great plays. And I like that leverage on Mike Williams that you guys are mentioning. Um, Another guy you could kind of get sneaky with is Jared Cook. Feels like there's a lot of tight ends kind of taking up all the the uh, ownership. And we have him at 7% ownership and 10% chance of being in the optimal lineup. The underlying numbers look good. I just think he hasn't really had any breakout games this year yet. So uh, that would be one guy that makes, uh, makes it a lot easier to stack up Herbert, who's kind of expensive. And this is one team where I feel like it's – uh, you don't have to run it back necessarily with Devonta Smith or, or Goddard or anyone on the Eagles because there's a decent likelihood that Jalen Hurts could have a big game. 
but um, like obviously you can't have two quarterbacks, so you're not worried about bringing it back for that scenario. So uh, this is one opponent that I, I sacked a, lot, a little bit less on the game stacks with. I'm calling it right now. 100-plus rushing yards for Jalen Hurts this week. It's happening. Nice. And, and Pete, uh, apologies for killing that Jefferson tease of yours a second ago. But let's, <laughs> let's go to that game. So 50-point total. It's actually come up a little bit. I'm Maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm kind of enamored with this game because on both sides, you have a bunch of players that are getting – like we have – Nobody outside of Lamar Jackson projected for more than 10%. And these are guys like Marcus Brown, who has, I won't call him an alpha, but he's been a guy that's getting elite level targets in competitive games or when they need to throw. Mark Andrews is awesome. And then as you pointed out earlier, Justin Jefferson's ownership right now is very low. Yeah, this is like the inverse of the Houston-Miami game where almost everyone looks attractive right now at their current ownership. Even Dalvin Cook, if he comes in, you know, as the least popular of those tight end guys uh, or top end guys, he looks interesting. Thielen, who I never play because it's the same situation whenever no one is on the Vikings pass game is... It's like, I I should probably split my exposure, but no one's playing Jefferson or Thielen. So I'm always like, all right, I guess I'll just play Jefferson. But yeah, Thielen looks fine. Even Conklin uh, looked decent to me at 3,000 as far as kind of a value play that's not going to catch a ton of ownership. So I think this is uh, probably my favorite GPP game on the slate right now. I'm pretty excited about it. Hopefully it doesn't get steamed through the roof though. And by Sunday, we're talking about you know, Houston, Miami now being our favorite tournament game. But as of now, <laughs> it it looks really good. Alex, I know our top stack tool isn't in love with it. Um, I think sometimes it can it can be tough when you're looking at the top stack tool. You can tell me if I'm wrong. When you have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, because we're using quarterback ownership to try and get a gauge on the popularity of that stack. But oftentimes so many people run Lamar Jackson naked anyway. So I don't know if that changes your thoughts here. Just looking at like, the negative like leverage score for the Ravens. Well, I think uh, Lamar is always pretty interesting to stack up. Uh, and another resource I'll look at in addition to top stacks is the boom bust tool, which has them um, at 10% ownership and 16% optimal. So that's some positive leverage on Lamar himself. And then, I mean, Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, those guys are pretty reliable. I probably wouldn't go down farther than that because Sammy Watkins is possibly back this week. And then that kind of impacts all the uh, playing time for Bateman. So I'm not sure exactly how that's going to shake out, but I think Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown are are decent options. Uh, On the other side, I think any Minnesota player is not going to project well because Baltimore runs the ball a lot and plays at a slow pace because of that. But uh, I think that as far as game theory, like you could pull off maybe a Dalvin Cook uh, play where if uh, Minnesota wins this game handily, like you're getting a lot of leverage on the field that I played Lamar. So I think uh, that could be a decent play. So, Pete, I get sucked into this every week, and now we're getting word that, Dev- that, that Saquon Barkley will, in fact, be declared out later today. It's not a shock. I mean, he had swelling and bruising on Monday night, so I, he hadn't been practicing. But I keep coming back to a guy like Devontae Booker, who if a game is close, is going to play 
in all seriousness, close to 100% of snaps. And then after the antics that Elijah Penny played uh, or, or, or had on that unnecessary, uh, what was it, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct that probably cost or could have cost him the game, I don't know if he's in the good graces of Joe Judge, who seems to have a temper anyway. I, it's possible entirely that Devontae Booger has another 20-plus looks or touches this week against the Raiders. Am I crazy to be looking at him again in a game that has a tight spread and is in New York? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, he's been catching a ton of balls. He's going to go completely overlooked because Gaskin is, you know, $100 cheaper. People will, you know, go up to uh, Cordell Patterson for 500 more. So I do think he'll, he'll go underlooked. I do think he's also one of those guys where – you worry about the true ceiling just because he's not the sure. type of player that can rip off a 50 yard run. You need to get there on, on check down volume. Uh, but yeah, I think he, I think he has paths to 20 plus DraftKings points. And at that price tag, I think it's, it's fairly attractive And that game. Um, that game is like a, an interesting one. I, I feel like I could see it going either way as far as, you know, soaring over that 46 and a half total, obviously a really weird spot for the Raiders after a tough week going on the road. I, I can't imagine they are in a great, uh, you know, mental headspace right now, but things have really condensed on the Raiders side too. And we can talk about, you know, Waller and Renfro there as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by this game. And I do think Booker is, is probably one of the best ways to play it on the giants along with Kadarius Tony, who also looks pretty interesting to me. Yeah, maybe this game is going overlooked, Alex, just based on what we're seeing as a more condensed offense kind of on both sides right now, given injuries and uh, other events. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Raiders, uh, I mean, Giants' defense is about average, but Raiders have been pretty good this year. Uh, I have the car at about eight yards per attempt, which is very efficient, and their Waller is back this week, so that's huge. Uh, for some reason, like they've kept the like fewest number of wide receivers on their roster. So Zay Jones is the third wide receiver, and I, I really don't know who they have behind him. So I feel really confident that Renfro and Edwards are going to get really good workloads, and Zay Jones could be an interesting GPP play. Uh, so I think this one's very interesting to, to do a Raiders stack. The only question I have, though, is right, like Henry Ruggs being gone – you lose that speed element, right? You lose that guy that can, that can burn down field, but you're also talking about someone that had a 13% target share. So it's not like you're losing Devonte Adams, right? You're losing a five target per game guy. If you're talking about redistributing these targets, couldn't it just be like two to Renfro, two to Edwards and one to Zay Jones? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's probably fair where it is kind of just like Zay Jones just takes over kind of the Henry Ruggs role in that offense and maybe a little bit goes to those other guys. I, it seems like Renfro is going to be popular as of right now. Um, and I wonder if he's getting kind of uh, an unnecessary amount of steam just because people are manually sliding more target share over than they probably should. It, Yeah. Alex, I guess it just kind of feels like we're, we're looking at, at, at him as like the 2017 Deandre Hopkins, like Henry Ruggs. <laughs> He's he's not, man. He's he's good, but the target share was was middling at best. No. Yeah, I, I don't even know if Henry Ruggs was, was that good to be honest. Maybe I'm just biased now, but yeah, he didn't get targeted a lot last year. I remember okay. he really had a bad year, but 
Uh, yeah, I don't think it really makes much difference at all, like, to be honest. Uh, the main difference I'm seeing is Renfro. He's played on about 74% of dropbacks so far this year. Uh, there's some room for that to go up, uh, as well as Edwards, who's at 85%, just by necessity. Like, if they're going to have two to three wide receivers out there every play, they only have three to choose from, so... I think you could get a decent bomb for Renfro and Edwards. All right. We're going to wrap this up with our top pivots, top fade and favorite bets of the week. And of course we're going to hit on really the most interesting game now that Aaron Rodgers is out, but we shout out our sponsor prize picks. If you haven't checked them out yet, you've seen them everywhere, right? Like the, everyone on Twitter is posting screenshots. Everyone's playing on prize picks right now, because when it comes to these prop sites, they're doing it the right way, right? You can pick, two through five player props. You can put them in any variation of sports. Shit, you like cricket, right? And you're all about staying up for two weeks to watch a match. You can throw cricket into a five-player lineup or a five-prop lineup and sit back. And if you hit five, you can 10X your money. They got Frisbee golf too. I mean, no kidding, man. There's, <laughs> there's sports you've probably never heard of that are available on prize picks, but the big ones, football, basketball, hockey, everything, they've got all of that as well an amazing menu of props. And one spot that I love to exploit is rushing touchdowns. Like all you had to do yesterday was take the over on a half touchdown for Jonathan Taylor, which was minus 200 on any traditional book and throw that in. Uh, you're, you're basically just getting a free one right there in terms of the process. And if you use the promo code, awesome, a W E S E M O get up to a hundred dollar first match deposit bonus. When you sign up, like I said, any sport you want to do, and unlike a traditional parlay, this is important. You don't hear enough people talk about this, right? Unlike a traditional parlay, where if you hit four or five legs, your fifth leg busts out on a huge money line favorite late in the night, and you're miserable because you get paid nothing out. If you hit four or five on prize picks, you're still 2Xing your money. Even if you hit three or five, you, get, you still get money back. So consider this an amazing way to have big shots like tournament style shots at winning money, but also not losing your ass every time you hit four or five on these player prop lineups over at prize picks, use the promo code awesome. for a hundred dollar first match deposit bonus. Check it out in the app store, Google play store, or go to prizepicks.com. All right, fellas, Pete, I know you got to be out like a what, minute or two early. So we have plenty of time here. Let me throw this over to you. Kansas city chiefs struggling offensively lately. Aaron Rodgers out for, for the Packers. We should get Devontae Adams back. Let's start on that side. Where are you at on a guy like Aaron Jones, who maybe Matt LaFleur really looks to, to get to him heavily, heavily involved today or this Sunday in the passing game and on the ground? What do you think? Yeah, I, I, this game is, is super interesting because I think Tyreek Hill is going to be mega chalk, just had an absurd amount of targets uh, last week, and people are just not excited and uh, you know thrilled with Travis Kelsey right now. And then the same thing with kind of Devontae Adams. I still think you know people are going to be fairly interested in with him just because I think that Jordan Love to Adams stack will be more popular than we might think on – on the surface, just because of that $4,400 price tag. So looking at some of these leverage plays, I, I was looking at uh, Aaron Jones. And so I think the whole thing is, is trying to wrestle through this idea of we've seen them kind of be willing to pound the rock 
in certain situations with AJ Dillon. And those are the games Aaron Jones isn't quite involved enough. But if you can project, you know, Chiefs, you know, getting up in this game and not allowing them to go to uh, AJ Dillon as much, then all of a sudden Aaron Jones is getting 9, 10, 11 targets. And at 7,200, even though he doesn't project well, I think he is kind of in that, you know, Nick Chubb territory where we know he has the efficiency and the elite playmaking ability to, to be in winning GPP lineup. So, yeah, I, I'm interested in this game and in Jones specifically. And a guy that was targeted 11 times last week has four receiving touchdowns on the season. Granted, all three of them came in one game against the Lions, but still, I don't know, Alex, like when do we get to the point where we say, the Kansas City Chiefs offense might not be as ex- might not be as consistent at least because they're still explosive. But this might not be the team that we just expect to go up early against every semi inferior team, and we saw it on Monday. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's a weird spot. Yeah, I mean Kansas City hasn't been that efficient this year. Only seven point three yards per attempt for Mahomes. So. That really does call into question like uh, how how effective they're going to be in, in future games. So, uh, I mean, the other thing going on in this game is Jordan Love. Like the, the sports books just aren't buying into him being any good at all, which is why Green Bay has a 20 total, which is a little bit lower than I was expecting. So that makes it a little bit harder to get to Aaron Jones and and – Devontae Adams, who are prices if Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball. So uh, from that perspective, it's a little bit tough. But Kansas City is always a threat to, to have a big week. Uh, so they could be a decent stack option. Do, do you look towards – because, you know, our top stack tool always has – always has them as the highest top stack probability. They're like 11.9%. Are you going back to Kelsey this week? Uh. Yeah, I think uh, it looks like Mahomes could be a little bit sneaky this week, honestly. So I think being a favorite, people might not be expecting them to throw the ball a ton. But I actually, I'm not sure if I'd lean towards Hill more. He, Kelsey has regressed a little bit this season. And uh, I think that the, the data behind that is somewhat valid. Uh, so I think Hill is definitely the number one option, and that shows in our optimal percent, where Hill is 15% optimal, while Kelsey is only 8%. All right. Hey, NFL ownership projections, NBA ownership projections, and MMA pro plays, all free on the site today. Use the promo code on the contrary to get 25% off your first week of Awesome Plus Platinum if you want to. We got to rip through this to get you out of here, Pete. Top pivot, or top fade, top pivot, and of course, your favorite bet of the week. Yeah, so like I said at the top, I was I was ready to do Kamara as my fade, you know, with with Taysom Hill, Mark Ingram breathing down his neck. Now I'm, I'm going to backpedal off of it with Simeon under center, and this one hurts. Uh, I I hate even saying this one, but I think my fade is Albert Okui Boonham, who I think in the contests I play, which is a lot of, you know, like mid-stakes, single-entry, three-max type contests, I think we're going to see him up at like 40 45% by the time we flip over the cards tomorrow. And I like this game, and I think we can go to Cortland Sutton. I think we can go to Jerry Judy here, and those are going to be massive leverage pays. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fade Albert O, even though it's scary. Uh, my pivot, my top GPP play right now, Justin Jefferson, we mentioned him. And then my favorite bet, um, I do like betting the under on uh, Devontae Adams. He still has a really big yardage prop. I saw 91 yards in some places, and I'm just not convinced that Jordan Love is going to be able to kind of lock into him and pepper him with targets to get to that number. So I'm going to take the under on that Adams prop. 
right, Alex, I got to accommodate our fine guest here. We got to get out of here, man. That's on me. I'm bad at time management. I always have been. We know I suck. Tweet out your favorite pivot uh, fade and best bet because I'm sure people want to hear it. So my apologies. No, no, no. Give, give, let, let Alex. I, 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 okay, I, I wasn't trying to part. put that on you. Don't worry, Pete. I wasn't trying to put that on you. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I'm right. going to message Hodge. We're going to do our show two minutes late. We got to get Alex's picks here. All right. All right. All right. That's, uh, that's a good. See, that's a good man. Thanks, right man. I appreciate that. I'll be I put me in a tough. I put myself in a uh, tough spot. Go ahead, Alex. Brandon Cooks. I, I think he's good, but not top three own good. So I'd pivot off him and go to maybe uh, Jacoby Myers. No one's on that New England Carolina game. So uh, he's had bad touchdown luck, but. There are reasons to be bullish. He caught a two-point uh, conversion. So uh, it's not like he's not getting targeted in the red zone. And top bet is Boston Scott under 44 and a half rushing yards. Uh, last week was really strange in that uh, Jalen Hurts barely ran the ball. So it made Boston Scott look good and the other running backs. But I think uh, it was just because they're up big versus lines that could easily flip back to this week. I don't think he even really has that secure role. All right. Beautiful. And uh, just while we're here, give me the Stefan Diggs fade, not because I don't like him, but because I think guys like Jefferson, Mike Williams, Chase, all of their ownership at a similar price point is going to be way lower. Pete, appreciate you, man. Check Pete out at Pete Overzet on YouTube, PeteOverzet.com. Head over to that merch page and follow him at Pete Overzet. Follow Alex at AwesomeODFS. Myself at Lafayette underscore D and shout out to Tyler Zander for producing today's show. Appreciate you guys. We'll catch you back here next week. Week 10 of On the Contrary presented by Prize Picks.